Hey, hey, what do you say? Be careful because Mars attacks. This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attacks. This is Chris from In This Moment, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, everyone, this is Dave Minichetti from YNT, and you're listening right now to Mars Attacks. How you doing? This is Frankie Benali from Quiet Riot, letting you know that Victor rocks on Mars Attacks Radio. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Kiske talking, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Filter, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owens. You are listening to Mars Attacks. Get out of my face. This is Ernie Seat, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey there, this is Joey Vera from Armored Saints, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey everybody, what's happening? This is John Bush, and you're cranking it up on Mars Attacks. Let's do it! Hey all, here's Andreas Kisser from Sepultura in De La Tierra, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Enjoy. Hey, Logan Mader here from Once Human, you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey everybody, this is Sean Drover from Act of Defiance, you're listening to Mars Attacks. Crank it up. Welcome, one and all, to episode 117 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And this time around, we have a very special interview with Sean Drover, the former Megadeth drummer, who has combined forces with Chris Broderick, who was also in Megadeth, to form Act of Defiance. I was lucky enough to speak to Sean yesterday during his ridiculous day of interviews, man. I saw his schedule, and he was basically doing like 12 hours of interviews, which is just sick. (laughs) Normally, uh, you have people that, um, I don't know, maybe they're doing four or five hours, but man, like 12. It's just insane. So I feel for the guy. Uh, Anyway, it was a great interview. I've actually talked in... Or I've actually spoken to, I should say, pardon my broken English there, my illiteracy. I've actually spoken to Glenn, his brother, quite a few times. And Glenn has been nothing but great. So it was awesome to finally be able to talk to Sean after all these years. I'd put several requests in to talk to actually him and Chris in the past when they were part of Megadeth. And unfortunately, I was never able to... Um, hook things up, and I'm glad that um, that I've been able to finally speak to Sean. I've seen Megadeth tons of times. I should say I've seen Sean play tons of times uh, with Megadeth, and it's great to actually be able to, you know, speak to him. And um, there, if you're looking for any Megadeth dirt, there isn't any. I tried to be as fair to him as possible. You know, in the end. The music does the talking. I honestly hate the fact that, you know, there are people that are constantly prodding and trying to, you know, get the dirt and try to be, you know, I don't know, trying to get on TMZ or something. And obviously that's not what's ever going to happen to me. Shit, if I have an exclusive. Shit, I've had exclusives. I announced KXM six months before it actually took place and no one gave a shit. No one cared until they sent the press release out. So uh, I've had, you know, other people divulge things and same deal. 
Uh, I didn't use it as a, you know, the subject line in the email that I sent out, so it didn't get any press, unfortunately, or any attention, I should say. Now, in all fairness, um, I know that the places that I do reach out to to get the podcast out there, they probably receive, you know, thousands of emails a day. So wading through everything and listening to every podcast, finding out if it's credible or not, you know, whatever, it's probably beyond them. Um, also, they they have different, I don't want to say political, but they have different ways of presenting their sites. So in any event, um, what I'm trying to do is trying to help the podcasters out, trying to help people that are doing interviews out by starting a new website. The name of the website is Earpeeler. You can find it at earpeeler.com. I mentioned this during the last episode, but for those of you that don't know about the site yet, it's basically a site where I'm posting uh, interviews that other podcasts, uh, print media, uh, sometimes radio shows are basically uh, posting things that, um, you know, as of right now is falling on deaf ears. And what I want to do is sort of be there to help all these shows out, all of these online publications out, blogs, so on and so forth. I'm not there to compete with anybody. Uh, I want to get that straight. You know, I'm not here to say, oh, well, you know, this site's doing it wrong or that site's doing it wrong. Each site does whatever they feel is right. Uh, when they feel it's right, and I want to be honest with you, I go to all these sites and I read all the various, you know, uh, things that they have going on. So I mean, it's it's not fair to sit there and say, oh well, you know, this is the right site to go to or that's the right site to go to. Hey, look, in the end, my site is a supplement to, you know, other sites. That, that have existed for a long time. It's there to, you know, help out. If you're going to one of these other sites and checking out, you know, hard rock and metal news, uh, but, want, you know, you're going to work or you're at work and you want to listen to something while, you know, you're sitting at your desk or you're, you know, back working at the dock or whatever, uh, you're not sure what show you know, your favorite artist just appeared on. Uh, you haven't been keeping track of your favorite show, let's say. Well, Ear Peeler's there for that. Um, you type in the name of the artist that you're looking for or the show you're looking for or the topic that you're looking for, and then you find out, you find podcasts that um, that are based on the, uh, uh, the criteria that you're using to search, basically. Um, now, on the flip side, if you're a podcaster that's listening to this or you have a show or you write for a website of some sort or a blog or what have you and you want to get your articles up there or you want people to know about you know, the, the various interviews that you're doing, drop us a line, earpeeler at gmail.com. Send us your story there. I will take that and I will post it on our site. And, you know, even if your site, if you're a podcast uh, and for a week you're not doing interviews, you're just doing a music-based episode, 
send that along too, you know. Fans don't stop listening to you if they're really fans of your show just because you're, you know, you're going a little off course with some type of a, a music-based interview, you know. Uh, also, that helps with people that maybe aren't familiar with your work, but they're interested in, you know, hearing an episode that's based on this sort of music or that topic or whatever, you know. So we're there to help fill the gaps. And again, by no means am I here to say, well, this site sucks, man. Come to my site. No, man. Keep going to where you've been going forever. Just come to my site too. (laughs) That's all. Uh, While you're there, go to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash earpeeler. Go to Twitter, which is twitter.com forward slash earpeeler. We've even got a Tumblr site. Uh, We've got a G plus site. Follow us on all that stuff to keep up, you know. There are people that prefer to read news on Tumblr. There are people that prefer to read news on Twitter or Facebook. So follow us however the hell you please, basically, and help spread the word. Um, You know, we had our good friend Keith from Ghost Cult Magazine that did a nice article and posted that. I actually uh, reposted that on Facebook earlier today. I should have done that a lot quicker, but... um, I appreciate Keith's help with that. And, you know, there are others that have done the same. Rock from Radioactive Metal, Chris from Decibel Geek Podcast. You know, it is very appreciated that my fellow podcasters are helping out. And uh, hopefully this will be a way, once again, to help you guys check out new episodes of different shows and just things that may interest you. So, there you go. While you're on Facebook... Follow the Mars Attacks podcast, Mars Attacks Radio. Well, I should say facebook.com forward slash Mars Attacks Radio. On Twitter, we are Mars Aries 2005. We have a G Plus as well. We have Tumblr as well. Uh, you'll find all the great links to that right there on the MarsAttacksRadio.com website. Also, you can subscribe to us via iTunes, on Stitcher, or if you're using a different uh, page to check out our episodes uh, or a different app, uh, we have the RSS feed that you can subscribe to. Uh, So all that great stuff is available. And uh, besides Ear Peeler, besides Mars Attacks Radio, we have not only a great episode today, but we're, we're getting September together. And I'm proud to announce that September will celebrate our sixth anniversary. And, you know, I have others that are out there, friends of ours, friends of the show, that have been saying, well, you know, we're not going to celebrate this anniversary or that anniversary. It doesn't matter. You know, I've been sick for the last few years on and off, and I feel great again, and fuck it, I want to celebrate. (laughs) So uh, I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do that by giving you, for every week of September, we will be releasing a Classic Albums column episode twice per full week so it'll be nine episodes total every tuesday and thursday you will have a classic albums episode available to you on marsattacksradio.com i'm putting all of those together 
we have a ton of great artists, a ton of great people that I've been reaching out to and scheduling things with. And hopefully this will be extra special. There are a few episodes that are going to be really, really cool that I think you guys will definitely love. And uh, I'm working my ass off to do all this. Man, I put 13 hours in yesterday just working on Ear Peeler and working on these episodes, interviewing people like crazy. And there's still a little bit left to go before I get into editing mode. And man... It's going to be a pain in the ass, but it's going to be very fulfilling. I hope you guys really, really enjoy it. And uh, right now, we're going to jump into some music. This is someone that, or this is a band where their guitarist um, recently lent his comments for the Classic Albums column for an album of his, an album for a band that he stood in for, and actually two bands that he's played with, and then another band that he's toured with, and that last album is a ways off, but these others will be released shortly. Let me just confirm. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. Let's see. Um, yes, yes, and okay. So two of these are going to come out next month, and then the other two will come out a little farther in the future, the idea is once I get the ball rolling with these, that um, I will be putting them out a lot more frequently. I've been saying that for the longest time, but this time I mean it, damn it. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, in any event, let's kick things off with a little Sepultura. Uh, this is coming off of the Alex album, okay? I've always loved this track from the start, from the first time I heard it. And I know that there are people that have issues with this band because Max isn't in it, blah, 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 blah. Love Max's work in the band. Like a lot of the stuff he's done in Soulfly. But I honestly really, really, really like what Sepultura has done with Derek Green as their lead vocalist. That's my opinion. Music is subjective. You can enjoy whatever you want. Let me enjoy what I like as well. So let's get into the track. And maybe at this point, after my whole spiel, maybe I've lost you. But the name of this track is We've Lost You.
There you go, a little Sepultura with We've Lost You. Awesome track. At least I enjoy it. Let's get into something off of the new Fear Factory. Really enjoying this album. They're one of my all-time favorite bands. Definitely one of the bands that I've listened to the most from the 90s onward. Uh, They just released a video for Dielectric. Uh, We've done Soul Hacker previously. And there's another track off of this that they also released beforehand. I don't remember which of them it was. It may have been um, anodized, possibly. But let's get into the first track off of the album. This is Autonomous Combat System. We're just going to listen to a small sound sample of this. Uh, Remember to support the bands that you love and go out. Pick up their albums underneath the show in the show notes. You will find links to various sites that we work with. Uh, We get a little percentage of any sale that goes to them. Uh, We get a small kickback. And, you know, officially, the, the whole unemployment thing that I've been talking about episode after episode and whatnot, uh, well, between my various ventures that I've started on my own, I guess I'm self-employed, <laughs> so uh, we can use every little cent that comes in, so if you want to purchase something from one of those vendors, uh, please do so. It helps us out. It helps the bands out as well. It helps them a hell of a lot more than going to Spotify or anything like that. I mean, Spotify is great, in my opinion, if you want to check an album out before actually purchasing it uh, or picking up single tracks here and there. You know, I use it from time to time, but, man, I prefer to have stuff on hand because I know what what it's like to have crappy internet and not be able to access something as a result. So... Uh, There you go. So let's get into a little bit of Autonomous Combat System by Fear Factory.
There you go, little Fear Factory once again coming off of Genexus, just released last week. Getting used to having albums released on Fridays. I think it's actually pretty cool, you know, the whole idea of purchasing something on a Friday and having the entire weekend to sort of, you know, savor it. At the same time, Tuesdays aren't bad either because, I mean, if you have to commute to work, well, you got something to listen to all all week, you know, I can remember buying album after album and, you know, either rushing out of work or, uh, you know, special ordering it and having it a day earlier or the day of and, you know, going to work with, with that album and really trying to check it out. Man, I, I remember <laughs> purchasing CD and cassettes of albums at the same time only because I knew that I could listen to the cassette at work and that I'd be listening to the CD at home. So there you go. Um, A lot of interesting things are coming out. New Iron Maiden track came out today. I've seen mixed reviews by people. Um, I will hold or I will reserve my judgment until the entire album is out. I will say that as much as I enjoy all of their work, uh, Brave New World, in my opinion, is the last great album that they released. That said, there's still great pieces of music on each one of the albums that they've released. You know, that's a funny thing. You have people, the worst album list of 2015. You know, there's enough good music out there to concentrate on that you have to weed through so many other things that... You know, the worst usually never stays in my mind. I always try to transit and sort of move forward and and find something that holds my interest, you know, as opposed to just focusing on the worst ever. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, we're going to get into a sound sample of a track by Act of Defiance right now. And this album is really solid all the way through. Um, I was surprised by the heaviness, you know, and it's interesting, you know, a lot of people are going to talk about the fact that, you know, the last album that these guys were involved in uh, was a little bit on the light side, but man, here's the thing, okay, that I think a lot of people on the net, on Facebook, on social media, just forget to, you know, realize, okay, when you come into a band, an established band, and there's a leader there, he's the one that's going to direct things and tell people, you know, what needs to take place. If you listen to my interview a few episodes ago with more, with, um, Jesus, I, I almost said Morgan, Morgan from Kitty, Logan Mater from, uh, Once Human. Uh, formerly of Machine Head, and I'm kicking myself for almost calling him Morgan, so that's why I'm stuttering there. Anyway, so Logan Logan Mater, he mentions how, you know, had he have remained in Machine Head when the Burning Red came out, that he would have been right alongside of those guys wearing jumpsuits and getting those haircuts and this, that, and the other thing. Why? Because the band has always been Rob Flynn's band. No matter what anyone wants to talk or however however anyone wants to put things uh, into any sort of perspective. 
Megadeth is the same thing. Dave Mustaine is the leader. He's the one that ultimately has, you know, the, the one that has the carrot and the whip per se. And I don't mean that in a derogatory con- context. But he's the one that sort of pushes things forward with his ideas. And, I mean, there's video upon video from back in the day when they recorded, uh, you know, Rust in Peace and when they recorded... Um, Countdown to Extinction, where he's telling Marty Friedman, no, do this, do that, play this, play that. There are things with uh, Kiko, the new guitars, which is the same thing. So before anyone craps on anyone who's ever been a part of that band, you know, take that into consideration that he's always been the mastermind, you know? So he's always been the one to push things forward. Now... I was never there. I never dealt with any of the politics. I don't know how much of what, you know, is in books and what's in the press is real. I only know what people tell me when I speak to them, which is why I love the podcasting format. So uh, we're going to get Sean's take on their new album. Uh, I've mentioned Megadeth a bunch of times during the episode, but we don't talk about Megadeth in in the actual interview, they're never mentioned by name. I insinuate who they are on a bunch of different occasions. He insinuates who they are, and that's cool. You know, he's trying to talk about his new project. You know, but at the same time, you know, I don't know. It just, it, it bums me out that I'm sure out of 12 hours of interviews that he probably had to deal with 200 questions of, well, how's Dave really like, you know? So, anyway, let's get into the first track that the majority of us heard off of this. There's a video for this track. I have it up there on Mars Attacks Radio as soon as I saw it posted. I posted it as one of our featured videos, and it is throwback. Really, really dig this track. Hope you guys enjoy it as well. We're going to do a little sound sample of it, and then we'll jump right into... The interview with Sean Drover of Act of Defiance.
I'd seen plenty of videos over the years and had read different things about you being an accomplished drummer and an accomplished guitarist. Mm-hmm. Um, when it came time to writing uh, Birth and the Burial, how much input did you have as far as bringing riffs in and actually um, developing the songs from that standpoint instead of just the drummer? Well, I wrote half of the record. Chris wrote five songs and I wrote five songs. That, that was... You know, once once we left our previous band, that was kind of, you know, we just said, well, look, you know, you, you write five tunes, I'll write five tunes, you know, let's bounce, you know, let's, you know, send them as we go along, let's kind of see where we're, you know, the only statement we really had with each other was to, to make sure that this is a, you know, a hundred percent unrelenting heavy metal record. And, and, and we kind of went off uh, uh, based on that premise with, you know, to, to do it without compromise to make these songs, you know, we didn't think or cater to what other people might think or you know what you know subgenre of metal we should make these tunes none of that stuff had any bearing on what we were doing at all we just locked ourselves away in our music rooms and uh and away we went writing the tunes and and what you hear uh with birth and the burial is, is the end result of that okay so there was nothing stockpiled it was right when you guys decided that you were going to continue to work together is when you guys sat down and said all right let's write this chris obviously you know being the the accomplished player that he is you know he has a recording studio in in his house so you know i'm sure he's accumulated risk here and there but uh and i think i believe that refrain and refracture was something that he previously had parts of it but by and large, this is all new stuff. I mean, I think I may have had one riff or two as well that, you know, that I've had in the past, you know, but pretty much most of it was, is all new riffs. Certainly on my, my end of it, you know, the five songs that I wrote, most of it's all new stuff. Absolutely. But very, you know, and I wanted it to be, I wanted to have a fresh perspective on being creative and, and, you know, making new music, you know, not um, entirely relying on something that I wrote five years ago or 15 years ago, whatever the case may be. It's, it's, it's pretty much fresh stuff. So, uh, you know, we, we really inspired each other to, you know, do that. You know, you know, Chris would send me something that he was working on and, you know, sometimes that would trigger me going, man, I really need to write a heavy tune like he's writing. You know what I mean? That, you know, throw the song that he wrote called throwback kind of inspired me a little bit to write a song called thy Lord Belial because, his song was really brutal, and, and I wanted to have, you know, that's a big part of who I am, too, is, is the thrash metal element. So I wanted to make sure that I wrote a song that was, you know, equally as aggressive, but, but different from what he wrote. And uh, so there you go. Did you feel sort of, um, I don't know, like a competition almost when you heard uh, Throwback? Absolutely not. No, no, not at all. It, it was it was it was more of an inspiring thing, you know. It, it's like wow, that was a, that's a really cool riff, you know. That really that part really sounds kick ass. It's like it, you know, it inspired you know. It certainly inspired me to, to to go along you know along that path as well. You know what I mean? There's um, I get inspired by stuff like that. I never had a sense, I felt a sense of competition because well, first of all, how can you compete with somebody who plays with eight fingers and eight toes on? You know, I can't play like he can play. You know, but I can I can certainly, you know, I've been a songwriter for many, many years, so I just have always done it my way. I've always written my way. I didn't try to write to sound like anybody else. I just do what I do, and it's always been like that. So, uh, but it was nice to have 
a viewpoint to bounce off of too, you know what I mean? Because this is the first time that, you know, with the old, with my old band Eidolon, I, I wrote almost all those tunes, you know, I wrote 90, 95% of, of all those records were, were all me. So, you know, uh, to have it, you know, having somebody who was writing the equal amount of songs that I was, was kind of a really cool and uh, interesting uh, venture for me. At what point did you know that Chris was going to be the guy that you were going to move forward and work with? I'm assuming that you had your mind made up that you wanted to do something, but did you know from the start you wanted to continue with him? No, because once I made that decision that, that, you know, I was kind of at a crossroads in, in my career, I wanted to make heavier music and I wanted to make, you know, I wanted to make the music that I wanted to make uh, and express myself uh, the way I wanted to. Um, I, I let Chris know what my intentions were, and, and oddly enough, he was having the same thought process as I was. So it didn't take very long for us to say, well, you know, why don't we just team up together and, and you know, go off and do something new on our own and, and, and join forces. And uh, and that's what we did, you know, once we once we quit our previous band, it, you know, it was, we were, went into it head first, you know, no holds barred. And, uh, you know, we worked our butt off to make this record what it's become. So, uh, you know, it's something we're, we're all really proud of. One thing that really stood out to me, not only, and, and maybe this comes from uh, due to the fact that the album is so strong from start to finish, but there have been other people that had le have left the same band that you were in mm -hmm. and, haven't continued to receive the same recognition that they did when they were in the band. You guys are still out there. You guys are still getting your names out there in the press. And there's a lot of anticipation for this album. Mm -hmm. Why does your situation vary from other people that may have tried to go the same route, but even at this initial stage, weren't able to, you know, continue that forward motion that you guys have been able to do? Oh, I, I mean, I can't really speak for others. I mean, you know, I think ultimately it comes down to the music, doesn't it? I mean, you know, you could, you, you know, you could be, you know, one of the most famous bands in the world or whatever. You can be, you know, someone who's, you know, highly respected or highly regarded. But, you know, once you go off uh, to a new venture, if it, if the music doesn't hold up, you're, you're not going to have um, a very long career because not a lot of people are going to. Uh, like the band. So again, you know, it's, it's something, you know, because this is such an organic endeavor, it's, it's something that we just truly believed in. And we just wrote songs that we, what, you know, what we wanted to hear. And, and, you know, knowing that, you know, it was going to be a complete heavy metal record. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, that's really all you can do. If you do something that's earnest and something that you, people know that it's really who you are and what you believe in, um, as long as the music's good, you know, people will, will latch onto it, you know, and, 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 um, it may not happen right away. You might, you know, luckily for us, you know, we've had a lot of press and a lot of, uh, very positive things said about, uh, act of defiance, you know, and really before the, I mean, the record's not even out yet. They've heard two to three songs from the band and, you know, um, but that's just part of that record. And there's a lot of the different heavy metal colors and in, in, in <clears throat> on that record. So, um, you know, again, it's, it's a long winded answer, but, you know, I guess at the end of the day, all, all you really have to go on for longevity is the music, you know, um, what you've done previously, whether you're in a, a popular band or, or whatever the case, um, you know, you're only as good as, as your last record. You know what I mean? You have to go out and, and deliver the goods and, and, uh, 
this is something that we're looking at long term. This is not a project. This is a band. This is something that you know, we're going to go on tour and, and, and uh, be a grassroots blue-collar heavy metal band and go out there and play as much as we can and bring this uh, heavy metal music to the people. That's, that's, what we, uh, that's what our intentions are. And just keep this going as long as we can. How difficult was it for you guys to find the right singer and bass player to fit in to what you guys wanted to do? Matt was, Matt was a happy coincidence. Matt, uh, Shadows Fall had just broken up. They'd been a band for over 15 years, and they were going on a... Um, they were going to definitely take an extended break um, from touring, and, and so they kind of disbanded for a little bit. And uh, so Matt, I found out that Matt was looking for a gig. And, and uh, I know Matt... I've known Matt for 15 years through the Shad and stuff, so we're good friends. And uh, I've known that he's also, uh, besides being an accomplished guitar player, he's also a very good bass player. So I just contacted Matt, and uh, he was up for it, and he jumped in head first. I mean, that was just kind of a happy coincidence, just something that kind of popped in my mind for reading something on social media, uh, you know, that Matt was, you know, looking for a gig. Henry was... Um, you know, Henry was one of, um, you know, several singers that we were looking at. You know, you you find these guys on YouTube or, you you know, you hear it through the grapevine or through some mutual friends that, you know, this singer, you know, is no longer in that band or, or, or what the, you know, what have you. Um, Henry, you know, we sent out our, our two songs for, for some singers to sing on and, you know, uh, with a set of lyrics, you know, that were, they weren't completely finished, but, uh, you know, a good set of lyrics to work off of. And, uh, he was by far gave the best, the best uh, vocal submission to uh, what we were looking for. You know, we were looking for a singer who um, wasn't one dimensional. We wanted somebody who could uh, express himself with melody, but also be extremely aggressive uh, when he needed to be as well. And he's, he's delivered that in spades on this record. So I think Matt and Henry did a, did a fantastic job uh, on the record. So we're real proud to have him in the band. Okay, and how did the recording process of this album vary from previous experiences that you've had working in the studio? Was there anything specific that you wanted to set out to accomplish while recording? Well, the the, the thing really that kind of separates this record from the ones that I've previously worked on, and I've been on you know many records over over my career, is, is that we all we all did it for the first time. The project, the band that I've been involved in, we recorded it separately. Like I recorded the drums in Connecticut. Uh, Chris recorded uh, all of his guitars and all the vocals uh, in his studio in, in Los Angeles. And Matt recorded all the bass in uh, his studio in Massachusetts. So um, it was kind of a, a bit of a different endeavor, but you know, these days it's not necessary to all be in the same room because of the internet and all that stuff. We can all, you know, files, you know, share musical files, send ideas back and forth, send demos two songs back and forth. So we were all extremely prepared for what we were doing. Um, but, you know, as a matter of convenience, you know, again, Chris having a studio in his house, Matt having a studio in his house, uh, the only one that doesn't is me. And, and I prefer to actually to go to more of an old school uh, studio setting, you know, and to find a nice big drum room and, and get great tones and stuff. So um, that was a bit of a different experience. But, you know, just... Just, um, but having said that, it was extremely exciting uh, as well because I, I I laid drum tracks down first before everybody uh, did their parts. It was just a very liberating and very um, exciting experience. It's certainly the most exciting experience I've ever had doing a record in my life was was uh, Birth and the Burial because I was just so 
so inspired and you know by the music that we were making that music that Chris created and music that I created I was very confident going in and you know knowing that this is going to be a pretty solid record and, and uh, it really even exceeded my expectations of it so just a very positive recording experience overall how long did it take you to find the right studio to record the drums in? Uh, I didn't take it didn't take that long at all. Uh, Chris Zeus Harris, who uh, he, he uh, did all the drums for the record, he he uh, mixed the record and mastered the record as well. Um, he uh, he lives up uh, he lives in, in Massachusetts as well, and uh, we started talking about it, you know where you know do you want to record here in Atlanta where I live? Do you want to record up in Massachusetts? He said, dude. I know this guy, he's actually the drummer for a band uh, called Toxic Holocaust, who band I love very much. And he said, dude, this guy's got a studio. It's not the biggest studio in the world, but the drum room sounds freaking slamming. And, uh, you know, he played me some records that uh, the bands that he recorded had recorded there. So I'm like, geez, I said, let's, let's just do it. So, I mean, that day we booked, uh, we booked a week of studio time to, uh, to do the record. And it took me four and a half days to, to cut tracks for that. He cut 10 tracks for the record. So it was done very quickly, and uh, it was just a great experience, you know. I've recorded in huge drum rooms, all kinds of different things. I've recorded small. There's every room is different from each other. It's it's really weird how drums are affected by that. But uh, but I trusted uh, uh, Zeus's judgment, and uh, you know the results speak for themselves. I think the drums sound crushing on this record, so I'm real real happy with with the drum tones on this record. Four days. How does that compare to? other albums that you've worked on? Because that seems pretty quick, actually. Four and a half. Yeah, I mean, you know, the kind of the, the what we wanted to do was do two songs a day. You know, you, you're going in the morning, we would start about 10, cut a track, you know, by 12, 1 o'clock, go to lunch, come back and cut a track in the afternoon. Well, a couple of, couple of days, just things were going so well that, you know, two, you know, one day I cut three tracks. So, I mean, if you do the math, you know, four days, in four days, I, I did, you know, two, 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 and three. That's nine songs. And then the, the last day, which was the, um, the fifth day, I, I had to cut my la- just had to cut my last track, and we were done by 2 o'clock that afternoon. So literally four and a half days um, to cut tracks for the record. So, it's uh, you know, again, it was just, just such a, a seamless, positive experience. Everything just kind of happened organically, and just, you know, it wasn't... It wasn't uh, hard thing to do it was just everything just flowed and it was just a very you know I, I knew what i wanted to do how to express the way i wanted to do it and uh there you go some records you know some records are harder than others but this record was was uh certainly the easiest record i've ever and and, and the most uh exciting record i've ever done personally what is the biggest learning uh, experience that you took away from your, your previous uh, recording experiences or previous bands and were, was able to apply to Active Defiance? Well, you just, you, you know, you just learn things over time, you know, how, you know, just the entire process of recording. A lot of, a lot of recording records for drummers is getting the balance between the click track and the, the guitars and ultimately the drums. It's a real, it's a, it, I've fought with that for for many records where ultimately you have to hear that click track because you have to play to the click track because everything comes after the drums. The guitars have to sync up to the drums, the bass, you know, everything. The, the, the drummer is the timekeeper for the project, you know, and so to hear that click track is, is extremely important. 
having said that, you also have, you also want to hear the guitars because you want to get inspired by the riffs and, and you want to hear the drums because, you know, if you get a good drum sound in your ears, it just, it's very inspiring. So, um, you know, depending on the record, some, sometimes would, the process would be easier than others, depending on where you are. Uh, I've had good experiences with that and experiences where I've had to fight it a little bit more to get, to, to get that equalization of, of, uh, of volume between the click and the drums and guitars. Um, with this record, uh, instead of trying to crank everything to 10 and just, you know, ultimately blowing my ears off by the end of the project, which I have done in the past, I kind of turned everything down a little bit and just was able to find a, a good balance between all of those things and, and not tear my head off with sheer volume at the same time. So it's just one of those things that you just learn uh, over time from experiences that you've done in the past. That's probably the most important thing that I that I, you know, like I said, as the records go on, you know, you learn something each time. You learn what works for you, what doesn't work for you, you know, what you need to, to have the most inspired performance, you know. And just having the freedom on this record to do exactly what I wanted to do. That was that was such a such a great thing. Okay. And when you guys go out on the road, how will your kit vary from what people have seen you play behind in the past? I don't. I don't think it will at all. I think there might be probably maybe a little bit of a different symbol configuration, but it wouldn't be anything that would be really noticeable to to anybody. You know, just me changing a couple of things up. But I, the core of the, the drum kit will probably stay the same. I mean, that's that's how I wanted to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that really won't change. I don't think at all. Okay, and you've obviously been part of tons of uh, big festivals. You were part of the big four shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you've done a bunch of different tours. If you had your choice to go out with any band with Active Defiance, uh, what band would you like to play with? Oh God, there's so many, you know, Judas Priest comes to mind right away. I mean, that's my favorite heavy metal band of all time. I mean, I've, tw- you know, I've been fortunate enough to tour with those guys. Um, they're great people, but, but I love the music, um, you know, you know, Iron Maiden, Metallica, there's just, you know, there's a lot of new bands that I really love. I mean, I, um, you know, it doesn't have to be the biggest bands on the planet. You know what I mean? It's for me, I would love to go and tour with Gojira or Meshuggah, you know, a lot, you know, that they're really not new bands, but they're not, haven't been out as long as Jewish Priest, but, uh, you know, a lot of those bands really have inspired me, you know, in recent years, just band, those two bands, Gojira and Meshuggah, they're just so original and so, they just don't care what's going on with anything else. They just do their thing, and they've developed, you know, their own little niche in the in the heavy metal world. You know what I mean? And and uh, I really respect that. They they're completely uncompromising, and uh, they do it purely from an organic um, place where you know what I mean. They're expressing themselves the way they want to express themselves, not you know um, cater to whatever they you know wanting to be create music to be more popular, whatever the case may be, they don't seem to care at all about that. And that's kind of how I'm throwing down with, with, you know, uh, Chris and I are throwing down from active defiance. We just wanted to make music that we wanted to make and not really caring or, or paying any mind to trying to make popular music. I mean, if you're trying to make popular music in heavy metal, you're, you're, you're making the wrong kind of music because this music is not popular. In the, you know what I mean? I, I would just go join a country band or, or I'd be Taylor Swift drum or something. But you know what I mean? It's like, you know, I, I to play this kind of music, I, I can't see why you would want to do anything but be 
you know, true to who you are and, and how you want to express yourself. So we definitely um, did that on this record. We're real proud of it. I can attest to the fact that it sounds nothing like a Taylor Swift album. <laughs> it does not. Uh, I can also say that I've been lucky enough to see you play with Priest and Testament a few years back as part of the Priest Feast. And yep. I actually got to see you guys uh, play on a festival bill with... Um, I was going to say Gojira, but it wasn't. It was actually Meshuggah um, about a year after that. So Where was that? Uh, <clears throat> you remember? Oh, yeah. Um, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> the, the pre-show was in uh, – both shows were in Spain. Um, okay. One was in San Sebastian is the name of the place. Mm-hmm. And um, the festival with um, uh, Meshuggah actually closed the whole festival out. It was a sonosphere in Madrid. Um, okay. Yep. About three, four years ago, I think, at this point in time. Yeah, that take, yeah it's probably five years ago, 2010. No, or maybe 2011, either one. Yeah, it was one of those two years. I, I don't mm-hmm. remember. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, seeing you play with with uh, Priest and, and with Testament was definitely a, a treat. So Yeah, that was a fun tour. But... We'll say that every time that I have been able to see you play, uh, it has always been great. So cool. I appreciate it. Where should people go to keep up with active defiance is doing? Oh, God, we have, we have all social media, man. We, you know, we have, of course, the Facebook and the Twitter and the whole, uh, we're coming out with our own website, which will be coming out pretty soon. Um, you can find us on pledge music. We have our individual, um, social medias as well. We're, we're very easy to find it. And we're going to keep on top of, you know, as news happens, you know, with the release of the record, you know, when tour situations pop up, that's all going to be, of course, revealed on all, all of our social media. Um, we, we stay on top of that pretty good. Um, so it's not hard to find us and hard to find out what, uh, what's going on with Active Defiance. Hey, everybody, this is Sean Drover from Active Defiance. You're listening to Mars Attacks. Crank it up. Take 
right, there you go. A little sound sample of the track Legion of Lies by Act of Defiance. Want to thank Sean Drover for coming on the show. Also want to thank George over at Concrete Marketing for helping to set up and also Vince from Metal Blade who sent me all the great tracks off of the album. Definitely check it out when it does come out uh, in a few weeks. It is definitely... Uh, going to be worth your while if you're into Megadeth or Testament or any classic thrash. I think you guys will really enjoy the album. Uh, we are going to jump into one other track off of this album. Uh, we're going to hop on it, I should say. But uh, before we end the episode, want to remind you guys to go to all of our great social media sites. Uh, just go to MarsAttacksRadio.com, go to the right-hand column, and you'll find all the great links that I'm talking about. If you're interested in checking out past episodes of the podcast or a specific series like our Decade series or our Classic Album series, you can find all that great stuff also on the right-hand column of MarsAttacksRadio.com. Uh, I will be reworking the site in the next few weeks. Once I have time to do so, uh, there's going to be a sister site for Ear Peeler that will deal with other content that's the next thing to go up on my list there. So once that's ready as well, I'll mention that on the show. So, uh, And also go to earpeeler.com for all your latest podcasting and interview news, all your hard rock and metal interview news, I should say. Um, that's pretty much it. Thanks for listening to the episode. Uh, enjoy this last track. It is the title track off of Birth and the Burial by Act of Defiance. And just want to say see ya next time right here on the Mars Attacks podcast. <laughs>
for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show.